Hey, you all. Sorry that I'm giving you the podcast a little bit late. I meant to, you know, release this on Wednesday, but I had a very special uh, treat for you all that I wanted to share with you now. And uh, it's worth the wait. So here we go. All right. Yeah, I'm, not, um, I'm not sensitive about it. <laughs> As you can tell. Yeah. Listen, man, I have no loyalties by way of uh, by way of uh, worship of any man. Good. Only one, and his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who was I listening to? Oh, uh, some heretic. He said, "He said Jesus, like Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, Christ meaning the Anointed One, the Anointing. It's like Jesus was raised and went back to heaven. Christ never left the earth. <laughs> what?" <laughs> So we have a tri-part. We have a trinity in Jesus. <laughs> well, he was preaching at T.D. Jakes' church. There you go. So, yeah. Benny Hinn at one time preached that yes, the trinity nine. was nine. Yeah, and that's what, he was, that's what he was essentially saying. There were three parts to each part. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we talk about uh, when we are not on the air talking. So here we go. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks Podcast. It's Buddy Boone, your host. With me today is uh, Pastor Matt White from Bellcroft Bible Church. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. It's good yeah. to be back. We just, uh, we're talking about a few things. Uh, I, I I tend to, uh, every once in a while, uh, come upon a sermon that uh, someone who is completely heretical is preaching. And, uh, you know, not that I'm looking to them for any type of gain of knowledge. I just sometimes I just want to hear what crazy things people have to say when it comes to God and the Bible and stuff like that. And You don't have to go very far these days. No, yeah, not not very far at all. But, yeah, he said that uh, Christ never left the earth, that Christ means the anointing, which that's completely bad and false. Um, but, yeah. Today we, I just have a few questions for Matt, and okay. uh, I hope you all are okay with these questions. Even if you're not, that's completely <laughs> fine because I'm going to ask them. So, uh, <laughs> the master of questions, buddy so, boom. Yeah, that's me. So the first thing is that uh, it's two things, um, uh, and it all has to do with Twitter. Uh, the first one and is I have never been on Twitter. I wouldn't know how to tweet. That's fine. Don't don't seems too feminine for me. Tweeting. Yeah, tweeting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. A, I, I don't tweet. Yeah, it's tweet birds tweet. Yeah, exactly. Not women. I don't know if you. Yeah. Uh, does that affect it? Yeah. I, I, no, I just I, 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 I have no social media platform, so that's fine. It, don't waste your time. So um, I don't because I, <laughs> I don't have any to waste. Honestly, if I had time to waste, I would probably have it. Wait, you only work one day. A week. I know. I know. It's my other job. All right, it's your other <laughs> job. So here's my question. So uh, one um. A couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, I saw a picture, um, and I didn't think it was true, so I actually went to the web myself, and I went to Baylor.edu, uh, which is Baylor University's uh, website. They're having a preaching conference, and the speakers uh, were uh, really uh, very, uh, I, you know, it was a national preaching conference, and here are the speakers, uh, Ralph D. West, Joel Gregory, uh, John Malato, or Malato or whatever, D. Uh, D. L. Lowry, mm. 
uh, I have no idea who those people are. And another one was uh, Mary Holst. Mm-hmm. No idea who these people are. She works at Calvin College, I think, or seminary. But yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Now, here are the last three people, which uh, was very troubling. Uh, Tony Evans, mm-hmm. Beth Moore, mm-hmm. and Alistair Begg. Yeah. Now, Alistair Begg. Quite an eclectic group. Yeah, it's completely eclectic. <laughs> and Alistair Begg, you know, uh, I'd say this to his face, you know, yeah. that I, I've really enjoyed his preaching and everything, but it was really a shock to see him on this lineup. Yeah. Uh, Tony Evans is kind of borderline for me. There's some things that he say and believe and teach that you know, I really, really disagree with. I think he's a talented speaker, but there's some things that I definitely disagree yeah, with him with. He's got issues. Yeah. Um, the, the rest of the people I can't speak for, but definitely Beth Moore, I would definitely tell her to go home. Yeah, I think somebody just did. Yeah, somebody just told her to go home. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a very good go home. Yeah. It was the hey, you know, you, you should you should go home. Yeah, and uh, but it was very a biblical way to to go home. But I want to just get your thoughts on this and uh, to you know what is it that you would uh, um, if you were put in a situation. Yeah, if you were put in a situation, what would be Which your would response? Never happen. Why is that? Because. <laughs> <laughs> not not that you no yeah. don't say it it's like well i'm not famous enough to well, go there it's, yeah you know. I, yeah i'm too busy i'm too busy to <laughs> yeah do, you're too I'm busy. too busy to do those things but anyway um yeah so you're just asking me to respond to this debacle that's floating around now with beg and well, all these other people yeah, some people like, will probably have a question about it i absolutely. mean i have a question about I, it you know I, honestly i have a question about it right yeah. <laughs> like i i'm 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 a little uh uh, honestly confused in the, in the initial look of it for sure, right? I don't see how you couldn't be because um, the Alistair Begg that we know, which I'm, you know, without question going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I have uh, listened to him for so long and read and followed and, and been his pastor's conference and, you know, from a, from what I would say a close distance, I, I haven't, I've been to his church a number of times, I've never been been in his church, so he's not my pastor, but I've listened to, man, probably hundreds of sermons of his, and mm-hmm. so I have a I have what I would consider a healthy understanding of his doctrine and positions. I don't agree with everything, I can say that unashamedly, um, but uh, so many and most of what he uh, teaches on, especially soteriology and those things that are foundational to our, our unity, um, man, he's been rock solid on and uh, his ecclesiology and different things. So so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he takes it away. Um, clearly the appearance here would begin to raise some questions, as it has for you and as it has for many others. Um, but uh, I, don't have all the, I don't have all the answers um, to my questions, like why is he doing this? Was he, when was he asked? Did he know when he was asked? I mean, there's a myriad of questions you have to ask mm-hmm. to try to get to that. And, of course, he's not here and he's not going to answer our phone calls, so uh, we just have to wait for him to speak upon it. Mm-hmm. And he will, no doubt about it, because he's going to be hounded, as <laughs> that's how yeah. it works. Mm-hmm. In, in today's age, you make a choice like that, you you will have to answer for it. Yeah. Right? So he will, and I'm confident of that. It'll come out. I know his Truth For Life, I think, has responded to it, and I saw I saw their response, which was which was okay. Like, the first response was more general and... And uh, even saying that he has uh, concerns with Beth Beth Moore, which I had already knew that because he's voiced that in the past publicly. So um, that's kind of what makes it a little little confusing. But again, knowing what I know about his positions, which are really clear in his teachings, and I've, like I said, I've listened to so much, 
I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he takes it away. And uh, one thing for sure, if you know anything about Alistair Begg, as I do, is this is not, uh, it's shocking that he would be at a conference with like Beth Moore and Tony Evans and those, but yet it's not shocking in another way because Alistair Begg is known to go in and speak in other places where most guys won't go. Okay. Right. And uh, I don't know how many people even know this, but years ago he, he starred in a movie where he was a drunk, um, where he was a drunk golf, uh, golf uh, teacher right and what yeah and most people don't know that and uh he played he played essentially a drunk and uh, it wasn't like a sloppy drunk kind of guy and and he was a he was a golf former golf like pro and and uh, you can i mean it was a i watched the movie and uh, he carried around his little flask and and uh, it wasn't a major role, but he played in the movie, and he was that guy. And uh, was this and, like while he was while he was a pastor? Yeah, yeah, and he got great flack from that, right? And uh, you know, he had his reasons for it. And so, Alistair Begg has made some decisions that have <laughs> that has that have brought all kinds of stuff. But you know, he, he's going to do what he's going to do, right. and he has to answer for the Lord for that. And again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he takes it away. And and I don't know if he knew who the lineup was. I don't know how you don't know in today's age. Like that to me, it's like I would want to know what conference I was going to and and who was there. But uh, you know, he's famous and I'm not. And since he speaks all over the place, and so maybe he didn't know, and maybe they got into it. The other side of the coin, though, is I know Alistair Begg, and maybe he's going to bring the word. Maybe he's going to speak about. Yeah. Maybe he's going to bring it, and, and uh, you know, I know Alistair enough and have heard him enough that he'll bring the truth, but he's not going to be, he's not going to be um, uh, uncompassionate because it, that's one of his traits, and it's one of the things I, you know, appreciate about him, but he's not afraid to speak the truth, mm-hmm. right? And he'll do it in love, but he'll speak it, and maybe that's what he's going to do. Maybe, you know, he's reached that point where it's like, uh, you know, yeah, I'll speak there, and um, I know, like, like, so Beth Moore has been on the stage with all kinds of people, and that's a whole other discussion, her issues. But, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, when she did those number of conferences with Francis Chan and John Piper and and those guys all on the stage together, as far as I can tell, this isn't that. They're not sitting on the stage together, teaching together like she was with John Piper and those guys, mm-hmm. where they were all on the stage together, right. like all at one time. Now, yeah, I didn't I, know that. Oh yeah, so so she's 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 throwing herself in all kinds of places, and again, that speaks volumes to what she's really trying to do. But that's another podcast. But um, this, I don't think, is that. I think they're speaking individually, though they're at the same conference and clearly on the same platform by way of faces, you know, on their marquee of who they're bringing. Yet, you know, when he gets up to speak, a lot of these conferences. He's not hanging out there. He just shows up, speaks, and leaves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just got to be careful that you don't have the wrong impression of what's going on. It's right. not like he's in the back with Tony Evans and Beth Moore and they're all hanging out and, you know, lounging together. Like, that's, 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 that's I would, I would like to be on the, a fly on the wall of the conversation that he would have with Beth Moore. Yeah, to of be course. Honest. And all of us would. So, mm-hmm. my point is, I think we have to be careful we don't rush to judgment. Mm-hmm. That's our tendency, especially in our, uh, in our, Twitter age, mm-hmm. where we get little sound bites with no context. That's the, yeah. whole, that's the whole point. I, I, I despise Twitter for that. And so you get no context. You get no understanding of what's going on. You just get this this morsel that's thrown out there for people to, like a ravaging wolf, feast upon it. Yeah. And this is another one of those things where it's like, we don't know the context. Let's give Alistair Begg the benefit of the doubt. It clearly is confusing. That's why I would never do it. 
I've even since I've been here, I was asked to do this or that with with even some local pastors, and I just had to turn them down and say, look. You know, appreciate you, brother, but I, I can't. I'm not going to be on the platform with you because of it will be confusing to our people, and that's my position. I I want to be marked by clarity on every level, mm-hmm. and uh, and that that's that's just how I lead. And Alistair's a little bit different in that, and uh, and I respect him for that. And he's like I said, done things that I wouldn't do, and but he has to answer for that, not me. Right. And I like so I clearly wouldn't do it. But then again, if I knew what he knows, maybe I would. Maybe maybe there's some things that I he knows I don't. Maybe they're going to give him opportunity to bring the word, and and uh, maybe that would entice me to be there and say, well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll I'll follow her and open up Second Timothy two and fifteen, <laughs> and you know that that would be different, right? Right? right you know, uh-huh. and uh, so I think you just give him the benefit of the doubt, let him let him deal with it, and, and don't forget this, right? Alistair Begg is the one who said this. And I think it's good to quote him in this. Uh, the best of men are men at best. Mm. He is just a man, yeah. right? And the problem in the culture today is we follow men rather than the man. Mm. I follow Christ, mm-hmm. right? And we're just like the Corinthian church. I have Apollos. I've got John MacArthur. I've got Alistair Begg. I've got uh, uh, Steve Lawson, or mm-hmm. I've got R.C. Sproul, and like everybody has their guy, mm-hmm. and it's so irritating. Yeah, it's just like, listen, I'm thankful for these guys, all of them, especially John MacArthur, who's mm-hmm. one of my mentors, right? In the sense of I, uh, I got to go to that seminary and sit under him mm-hmm. for years, and what a blessing! But again, you know, they all pale in comparison to Christ. Yeah. And they would all say that, every yeah. one of them. That's why Alistair said, men at, best of men are men at best, and that's him. So it, one of our one of the uh, ways in which we can tell we are superficial in some of the things we do mm-hmm. is how we respond when guys do this. And we get all up in arms, and it's just like, well, why are you so tied in knots over this? Yes, there's, there's issues with it, but we don't know all the issues yet, so just relax. Let's wait. It was John MacArthur that uh, taught me two things that go together uh, inseparably, and I heard Wait, him before you before you do that because yeah. uh, I know what you're about to say. Yes, I think I do. Yeah, I want to bring up the next uh, question first because I think I definitely know that this ties all in together. Yeah. But I don't want you to say to, that to say that. Okay, yet. all right. But so let me finish up with the Alistair Bank. Okay, go ahead. So the thing with Alistair that I think is a good learning curve for you, for me, for all of us is here you go, patience. And this is something that the that the blogosphere, Twitter world, and all this social media, for lack of a better word, nonsense that mm-hmm. goes on all the time, is it, it in some ways it's a blessing. In some ways it is a blessing and there's a lot of good stuff out there, but in some ways it almost breeds immaturity, mm-hmm. right? Because maturity is marked by patience, right? Where it's willing to wait. It's willing to give the benefit of the doubt. It's willing to uh, give a person time. But in today's uh, uh, social media, instant, instant information age, We've lost the sight of that. We've almost become more childlike, right? A child, that's his issue. He has no patience. He can't wait. Got to mm-hmm. have it now. Got to have it now. Mm-hmm. Got to have it now. So we get this little tidbit, and we see Alistair Begg here, and it's like, I want to know now. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And it's just like everybody posts. Everybody talks about it. And it's just like, look, man, I don't know what's going on, but just wait. Yeah. Give time and truth. It'll come out. It'll come out. Given enough time, the truth will come out, and then we can make, we can make, sorry, but we can make, I'll, we'll bring it up again, but it's it's so important, 
because maturity right. is marked by patience, mm-hmm. right? It's also marked by clarity. Immaturity is often marked by confusion. It's all over the place. Oh, we gotta, it's like emotional. I got to do this, got to do that. No, we don't know what to do yet because we don't have truth. But once we get truth, we'll be crystal clear. All right, so we're not going to go to Alistair Begg's conference or we're not going to listen or we're not going to do that because now he's changed his position. Well, now we know. Yeah. But in the meantime, we know what his position is based on his clear teaching. Let's give him the benefit Consistent of the doubt. Consistent clear teaching. Consistent, long-term, mm-hmm. and let's give him the benefit of the doubt and let's trust the Lord that he knows what he's doing. And, and yeah, he and he can make a mistake as mm-hmm. we all make mistakes and make mm-hmm. a poor choice. We all do. And uh, But in the meantime, he's he's got a trek record, a trek a, 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 a track record, there you go, of faithfulness, mm-hmm. right? He really does. Mm-hmm. And not perfection, because that's not, that's not what we're talking about, but faithfulness. Yeah. And he does. And let's, let's just give him that. Yeah. And let's wait and see what happens. And in the meantime, yeah, we'll, we'll check our own hearts. Gotcha. Is that helpful? Yeah, very helpful. Now, speaking of Twitter. Yes. Uh, it's another uh, Twitter <laughs> thing that I saw. So... Um, so you're the you're the Twitter side of Velcroft. I guess because I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I pay I pay attention. I actually like Twitter because I'm able to see uh, a lot of different uh, uh, people from different churches that have you know uh, around the U.S. that are good you know solid churches. So, so it's just some people that's see, on there that that's, you know. That's why you're here, man? Yeah, because so. I, I don't have to. Then I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I just check with you, buddy. What's going on on <laughs> Twitter? You, you can tell me just like that. Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite people to follow is Anonymu, uh, Kevin Anonymu from uh, uh, the Theology Driven Podcast. Oh, I, I and, yeah, and those I, guys. I love Kevin, and and I gave Kevin a shout out, man. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, so. Kevin, you need to respond to his yeah. shout out. Yeah, man, because he doesn't have Twitter, so you have to do it. You can you, shout out to mine. Tell him, tell him, send me a carrier pigeon. I'll get it. <laughs> a carrier pigeon. Smoke signal. We still get those in West Virginia. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> we are not in West Virginia. <laughs> I know, but I'm but I'm still West Virginia, man. You, can't, you can take you out of West Virginia. You can't take the West Virginia no, out of you. No way. No way, man. So speaking of uh, Southern folks, uh, <laughs> another guy that's uh, from the from the, from the country. Uh, he's from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Now we're talking. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, I, I love following him. Always see very positive uh, tweets from him. Saw positive tweets from him, uh, but he actually uh, shut down his entire Twitter account the other day. And uh, he, this was after the very last tweet that I saw. Uh, he was giving caution uh, to folks. Um, about uh, the whole uh, Kanye West conversion. Mm. And what he was doing was, and I think it was a very good tweet. Yeah. Um, he was saying that, you know, just be cautious to throw, you know, him in, in, into there. Now, this is what happened. His name is Justin Peters, if you haven't uh, seen him. Justin Peters, I think, is one of the uh, premier uh, speakers on uh, the charismatic movement, the, yep. the word of faith healing and you know, uh, the, the that type of, you know, kind of heretical teachings that are out there. Um, if you go on YouTube, you you I mean, you would have to sit for a little bit and just listen through a lot of his teaching on it. But he does a very good job. And uh, he uh, was he tweeted this out just to, you know, in a and I would almost say in a pastoral way, yeah. saying just watch yourself on, you know, just throwing him into the ring as like this totally. new 
leader and you know everything like that and i can't i I mean i can't pull up his tweet anymore because it's gone maybe somebody took a picture of it but it was very very good yeah and so i didn't really think much of it when i saw it because i was like oh that's justin peters being justin peters and i just i read it i liked it and i kept scrolling so uh then i started to see all these other people it's another uh guy he's a pastor a really uh great guy named ken uh i think he posted it and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I started seeing more people post about it saying that he wasn't on anymore. And then I started seeing some negative. They're saying, well, he can dish out all of these things, but he can't take it. Like he just left. He talks about Kanye West. He gets all this negative, you know, feedback and he can't take it. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of like, OK, whatever time went on. And, and so uh, my YouTube, I follow him on YouTube as well. And he posted a, uh, a video and this video actually Uh, I'm not going to say exactly why he's not on Twitter because that's not the point of this. Um, I really feel like you should go watch it. And um, one thing that he did talk about, he took probably, I think it's a 30 minute video. He took probably about 25 minutes talking specifically on why we should be careful Mm -hmm. about Kanye West and his conversion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to mention a few things, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on it. And and now you have a chance to repeat what you said earlier uh, in a, well, what you were going to say, and then you said it, um, but But it fits fits fits. very, very well. Uh, So just kind of your thoughts on the whole thing. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've, I've had concerns from the first time I've heard it and, um, you know, I I know Adam Tyson, who's the pastor who, you know, not uh, I, I know him personally. I've met him and talked to him, but he probably wouldn't remember me. But we were we were crossing over in seminary. You know, he was leaving. I was coming in and he was still at Grace when I was there. And so we had some interactions. But, you know, I know where he was trained. I know what he believes in mm-hmm. that sense. And so uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I know being a, a, a master's guy at I knew I know enough about him to know that you know he's going to preach the word and all of that, and I'm thankful for that. And that, and mm-hmm. I'm again going to give him the benefit of the doubt and right. have no reason not to, mm-hmm. knowing what I know and knowing who knows him mm-hmm. and his connections. And so I'm thankful for that and praise the Lord and what a blessing, uh, whether Kanye West knows that or not. But when it comes to his conversion and and or lack thereof or whatever's going on, I have uh, great caution. Um, I'm. Um, sanctified. I like to I like to call it uh, a a sanctified uh, skepticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, not with Kanye West, with just about everybody. Yeah, because I think I think the Bible teaches that mm-hmm. we're going through the four soils right now, mm-hmm. right? And three of the four soils are what? Uh, well, one is complete open rejection, hard heart, but two of them are false, fake mm-hmm. belief, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't last. And uh, so I think uh, at least fifty percent of the soil, uh, f- if you break it down and if you broke it down into quarters, right? One is true belief, seventy-five percent isn't, and fifty percent of it is a is a false belief that goes for a while and then dies out. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know that in and of itself, if you just took that one parable, would generate a sense of where we've got to be, we've got to investigate, and we've got to uh, evaluate. Uh, compassionately graciously but thoroughly Mm -hmm. right and uh and uh we see that we see that the early church and but also also and this comes up a lot is conversion in acts and in the early church had something that we don't have today in america 
we have it in other countries and it and it's something that I in no way am saying that I pray for this or even want this so don't misread me however it's reality the early church had something that was very powerful in purifying and protecting true conversion it's called persecution mm-hmm. so when they trusted Christ they were they were putting their head on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. They were putting the bullseye on their back, much like they do in China and other countries today. Mm-hmm. In America, no, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be you can, you can be quote unquote saved for money, right? I mean, the whole prosperity gospel is is mm-hmm. built upon that. You can be saved for popularity. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, we know social media makes a lot of money, and people do just on there to get likes. So what do people do to get likes? It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We sit in a pool of fruit loops and milk i mean just to get light i mean it's nonsense what people do so so my point is in america we are so whimsical and superficial and ridiculous like i think there's a sense in which we have to have a sanctified skepticism to us right which is essentially another way of saying being cautious right time and time shows that Mm -hmm. history shows that in false belief there's myriads. I mean, we just, you know, saw the whole thing. I kissed the church goodbye with... Uh, I kissed dating goodbye. Oh, yeah. You kissed the church. Yeah, yeah. I, I get you. I get yeah, you. I mean, just kissed the church goodbye, right. right? After all that he wrote, you would have thought he was the greatest Christian, the side of I mean, Martin Luther, right? And the sense of all that he wrote and all that he did and following C.J. Mahaney and, you know, all that, man, he's 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 going to be great and turns out to be a false, false convert, mm-hmm. right? Interesting. That story is so common. Could this be another part of that? It could. Like, we have to say that. To not say that is to not be biblical, mm-hmm. right? You could say that about me if you want to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. It won't be till the end, till till I'm really ultimately justified, uh, not in the eyes of God. That's done in my belief, but in the eyes of man, you can't. You don't know whether my faith is genuine or not until I f- persevere to the end, mm-hmm. right? Ultimately, right. and that's the whole point. That's why Jesus said, "He that perseveres to the end will be saved." Mm-hmm. So the perseverance of the saints is huge, and we don't we don't talk about it enough, and we don't consider it enough, and that's to our own detriment. But especially in America, where we lack the purifying factor of persecution, persecution purifies, right? So in the early church. Right, those that came forward, and we see false. I, I mentioned Simon the magician. We see we see the reality of false faith even in the early church, where mm-hmm. people jumped on board because they liked what they saw, they liked what they got, and we see that even with Jesus, even he had that. But the reality is what we what they had that we don't have, at least in America, is they had that purifying factor of of opposition and persecution that that uh, it, it wasn't vogue to be a Christian. It's vogue to be a Christian in America. Mm-hmm. It's 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 dying that reality, and I think one day it will ultimately die, and some of that persecution, no doubt, will come. And I think a genuine believer will be persecuted if he's sharing the gospel. And Justin Peter's a prime example. If you're standing for truth and living, you're you're trust me, you're going to get it. But that persecution, like we see in the early church, is lacking, and it's still cool for for people to post and do what they do and. Um, and uh, could this be that? It could be. Mm-hmm. And anybody that denies that just doesn't know the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it could be genuine. Again, back to that same thing. I think, we, I think we, we, we give the benefit of the doubt, but that benefit of the doubt isn't, isn't just blinded, hey, uh, yeah. welcome to the family, you know? I think, it's, I think it's, all right, let's see what happens. Because I have watched clips already of Kanye, and I have seen things, and I've watched part of what he does, the... Mm-hmm 
the, the it's church. Not, it's Sunday not the, service. it's not a church. That that right there just just that's a whole other conversation. I irritate it every time I hear that. He <laughs> he does not start a church. That is not a church. Again, I'm I'm praying that Adam gives him some ecclesiology, you know. But that but he's again I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't know. He really doesn't know. Yeah, and so the big thing that uh Justin was saying in the uh in the video was literally about the fact that uh, he should not be on that side of the podium. He needs to be on the front side of a totally. podium getting I, the, the I, instruction. I told my wife that the other day. We were watching a long extended clip on on him and watching it. And again, just acclimating ourselves to what's going on because mm-hmm. we have some extended connections through masters and whatnot. And, and, I, and I told her, I told her the same thing. And I said, look, I, she was asking me what I think. I said, here's what I think. If, it, if this is genuine, it will become real over time. And if it's genuine, he's a, he's going to suffer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what's going to happen without question. Yeah. Because God will do that. He does it with all of us. And that will be good for him in the sense of the persecution, the purifying factor. And like Justin, that suffering will come in many forms. But even that taking the backseat and learning, you know, to grow humility. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that is obvious that Kanye needs, needs, as we all do, but somebody in his position and all these, is humility. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And uh, one thing for sure, God is guaranteed to give to every one of his children humility. Mm-hmm. And that's a blessing from him. And it hurts, mm-hmm. but it's good. And, and that's a testimony of genuine, true faith when you start to grow in that by way of through the anvil of affliction. That's how you learn it. And uh, so, you know, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I like all people, I want them to go to heaven. I want them to know Christ. I want them to be a worshiper, right, mm-hmm. ultimately, and uh, give God glory for uh, God is worthy. But uh, I also know that uh, false belief is real, and uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just cautious and skeptical. And, and, uh, but I would be elated to know that it was genuine, and the only way we'll know that is time mm-hmm. and truth. If his life is marked by truth over a long period of time, then we 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 have greater understanding and uh, and faith in that this is a work of God, and yeah. that will become clear over time. It will. It will. It, it it will become clear. And I'm again back to the same thing. Just just relax. I, you know. Again, that's part of the reason I'm not on social media because I can't stand all the elation over over simple it's just like yeah okay great you know yeah why is he getting so much praise and all the other people that you know the lord is saving or whatever and it's just like i I don't understand that popularity world and icon world and uh it's just again i'm a simple guy from west virginia that yeah well here's the other thing you're both biblical you and justin um because you are speaking as if you I mean, you all are literally saying the same exact thing. One of the things that he said was, you know, he would be as happy for the salvation of Kanye West as he would from for uh, Farmer Brown down the road on Route 56. He said the same thing. It's like I it's like we would both rejoice because both of them, you know, as the angels do in heaven. Yeah. Luke 18. I mean, that's that's it. So. So, yeah. You know, and again, it's part of our. My mind's filled with superficial heart because that's where we were. But mm-hmm. it's part of the superficial Christianity that we live in today in the contemporary world, especially in America, and 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 all of this. It's childish in many ways what we see going on, uh, even even some of the this stuff with Kanye and stuff. And you know, um, I, I I do. I think the social media world, the juvenilization of the church, and 
childlike, superficial Christianity of the contemporary church, it all feeds into that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Corinth in some ways, right? Where a, you have Apollos, I have Peter, I've got Cephas, I've got MacArthur, I've got Sproul, I've got Kanye, and it's just like really, like yeah. really. So, so I, yeah, I'm, um, I, I mean, I don't even know what Justin Peter said, but if I'm in the same camp with him, then that encourages me. Yeah, but you're both speaking the word, so well, yeah, you're in the same camp. That's what. It, that's all that matters. It's, yeah, that's why we call this the truth talks. Yeah, it's not the Matt White talks. Yeah. That would be scary. Uh, we talk about deer and skunks. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you want. Actually, possums and groundhogs. But that's a, that's a scary story. And also, uh, well, here's what we're gonna do now for for the time. Uh, I, I I have a thought that I got to tell you. But but did that help? Did that answer? That helps a lot. I okay. appreciate that. Uh, so since you are kind of full of the superficial uh, heart, you know, yeah. conversation, I actually want to bring up some uh, things, uh, the 10 marks of a superficial heart that you uh, gave us today. Yeah. And another thing that I thought about, uh, our church, uh, Bellcroft Bible Church is the name, but I think that if we were going to rename the church... <laughs> <laughs> this is going uh oh well i don't know if you know i don't know if you know uh i think that the name of the church should be t-bone and taters because <laughs> that is exactly what we get 100 percent every sunday we get t-bone and taters listen i got some west virginia pastor friends that would love that name for the church <laughs> what's the name of your church oh, i go to t-bone and taters that's right <laughs> We just got new windows. That's so it. That's it. So yeah. So uh Where you get learnt every Sunday. Learnt every Sunday. So here are the ten marks of a superficial heart. And uh if you listen to the sermon uh uh that was uh preached on the third of November, you will hear this and this is about the uh the soils, the four soils uh in that whole series. Um and this was about the uh, the the rocky ground the yep. the rocky ground soil versus uh, should be verses sixteen and seventeen of chapter yeah, 16 four and 17 and chapter four yep so here it is so ten marks of a superficial heart the first one is a spiritually emotion um, and it's under recent sermons uh, uh, under Belcroft it's already it's already up it's up there Look okay good that, good job Steve <laughs> ten marks of a superficial heart first is the spiritually emotional but not biblically thoughtful mm-hmm. and i was writing this frantically so yeah if i if i mess up a word that i wrote down wrong just let me know and uh what i'm gonna do is just give you a little bit of time to kind of you know nail down each yep. one yep uh, since you really didn't do that in the sermon no because um, this was at the end this is at the very so end people go on and listen this was at the very end this was a closing kind of application for <clears throat> essentially all all that was preached was uh verse 16 mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just about the condition of the soil that Jesus is describing as rocky soil and what that means. He's describing the physical side of the parable, which is the literal rocky soil, but the parable that's a physical story is really conveying a spiritual truth. So what's the spiritual truth uh, depicted in the rocky soil? It is the heart of the false believer that has temporary fruit and so it it really is describing a superficial believer, a superficial false believer that is, or a superficial heart. And uh, so we talked all about that. Uh, what is the condition of a superficial heart? And then at the end, tried to uh, encapsulate for our people uh, ten marks of a superficial heart. This list isn't exhaustive at all, but hopefully it is helpful to kind of help us evaluate our own hearts. 
especially those of us who are believers, because we we know we have the propensity to a superficial belief, mm-hmm. and we constantly have to fight against that for various reasons. And so, I want to know if I'm if I'm having a superficial understanding, belief, perspective creeping into my life. And how would I know that? Well, there's a number of ways we can know it, but this is hopefully a list like this is helpful to kind of examine my heart and see, well, if you're if you're having a superficial a heart or a superficial faith, these are some of the characteristics of it. So. Yeah. All right. Context is king. There so, you go. Yeah, that's the context of everything. Yep. Uh, but I would definitely encourage you to listen to the entire sermon. Um, uh, I'll start from the beginning. Spiritually emotional, but not biblically thoughtful. Yes. The second is ultimately focused on temporal, but not the eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, the third is spiritually driven by e- external yep. facts and not internal. Um, four, controlled by the fear of man and not the fear of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, five, uh, my uh, 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 Pilgrim's Progress came out when I heard yes. this. Pliable in yes. beliefs because of a lack of biblical convictions. Yep. Uh, six, has complaining and default As mode. As its default. As default mode yep. of praising God. Instead I, of praising God. Instead of praising God. I write in hieroglyphics. That's okay. So. You're doing good. <laughs> Highly critical of others instead of praying for others. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was this one? I didn't write the whole thing. Number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a has a preoccupation with self-pity instead of the pursuit of Christ-like self-sacrifice. Okay. Yeah. Number nine, confession of faith with no real change of life. Yes. Ten, has belief in Christ driven by signs. And not the scriptures. Yes. And uh, number ten was the the one that uh, stuck out to me the most. Yeah. I have I have people that I know that are uh, I would have to say have a superficial belief yeah. uh, because if it was not for the signs and yeah. wonders, uh, just like the people that were following That's Jesus, you know they, they wouldn't would, believe. They wouldn't believe. They yeah. wouldn't be going to church. They wouldn't. Yeah. And it's it's more. I think you said it. Um, was it in Sunday school or was it here? Uh, but it's it's like the folks that come in and they want what God offers, yeah. and not they don't want salvation. Yeah, so they'll accept they'll they'll accept what uh, what uh, they'll accept what God can give them, but they will not submit to what God demands. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, but, but yeah, uh, let's. Can we can we just kind of focus sure. on you know sure. the, the list? Yeah. Um, the first one spiritually emotional, uh, but not biblically thoughtful. Yeah. So, uh, really remember what is what is the term superficial mean? It means that which looks good on the outside, but but ends up being phony or fake on the inside, mm-hmm. right? So it has an it has a shell that looks orthodox or looks clean, looks good, but in its internal makeup, it's rotten to the core and mm-hmm. has problems. And so we don't want to have a superficial faith or superficial heart or even a superficial uh, practice in ministry, and so we have to guard against it. So this first mark is the superficial heart or, or the superficial heart is one in which one is spiritually emotional but not biblically thoughtful. So the superficial heart is driven by emotions, not by doctrine, right? Hmm. And so he's driven by uh, 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 spiritual impressions, uh, emotional impressions, how he feels about a sermon rather than what the sermon actually says, 
right? The music wow. that's driven behind it. And so they're, they're, again, superficial. And again, this is all building out of the rocky soil. And the issue with the rocky soil was what? It's on the surface. So it's superficial. It's just surfacy. And so what we see with a superficial heart is it's emotions, not thought. Thought takes, thought drives truth deep. Mm-hmm. Emotion is just on the surface. Emotions is the lowest level of living. And, and, and in the church today, people think emotions is the greatest level of living, like it's the deepest. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are at the lowest level of living as a human being when you live by your emotions. Okay, Can I, can I confess something real quick? Yeah. I have uh, been reluctant to invite certain people in my life to my church, to Belcroft, because they, <laughs> I know that they won't like the worship. And they, yeah. they, you know, I know that they're going to get, you know, T-bone taters, yeah. but they won't like the worship. And, you know, it's kind of tough because it's like, I know the type of church you go to. I know that that church is so emotional. You get riled up every week and, you know, that is the, the, the high that you get. And yeah. I literally said high yeah. that they get yeah. because that is what they like. But it's the experience. It's the experience. Yeah, it's not and it's it's not a it's not it's not a worship service. Mm-hmm. It's not a time for uh, for digging into the word and mm-hmm. and having some you know t bone to chew on for the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. It's just an emotional. Yeah, and and as as I think about it, <laughs> babies are driven by emotion. That's the that's, they cry. That's it. That's they, it. And you they get it. milk. That's they the, cry some more. They get diaper changed. They cry and get milk. That's the lowest level of living, isn't it? Is it infant? Yeah. And then what happens as children grow up, right? Mm-hmm. They rely less on emotions. They're able to be patient and learn and mm-hmm. wait and feed themselves. And, and all they're doing is learning to control their emotions, learning to steer their emotions rather mm-hmm. than being controlled by their emotions. Man, and crazy. so, yeah. So the superficial heart is one that's controlled by emotions, right? Mm-hmm. It's emotional. And alone, emotions aren't bad, right? But when that's all you got, you're in a world of hurt. Yeah. And so this first mark is it's spiritually emotional, but it's not biblically thoughtful. So it's not that it has emotions that's bad. It's that all it has is emotions. Mm. And the illustration I gave of this is King Saul. He's a prime example of this. King Saul was driven by his emotions. He was a wicked man because all he had was emotions. Mm -hmm. And you see this throughout his life where he is driven by anger and driven by fear. He had, it says multiple times in the text where he was, he was afraid of David, right? And then he sought to kill David in the sense of he, he had a fear of man, not the fear of God. Well, he constantly demonstrates this emotional nature and and uh, and in so doing, he shows that he has no biblical thought. So in First Samuel 15, which is a great passage that illustrates this, he's going to have this big worship party for the Lord instead of killing the Amalekites and the king and the people and, and the sheep and all that God told him to do, he saves a bunch of them to have this emotional worship service, mm-hmm. greatest one ever. And Samuel comes on the scene and says, what in the world have you done? You, you, you think God cares about actually sacrifice? He cares about obedience, mm-hmm. biblical thought. Think about this, Saul. And he has rejected you now because you're a wicked man because you care 
you care more about this external. God cares more about the internal, the heart. Mm. And so uh, that's a prime example of a superficial heart that is more emotional than it is biblically thoughtful. That's good. All right, number two. It's ultimately focused on temporal, but not the eternal. Yeah, so the superficial heart, Mark 2, ultimately focused on that which is transient. This is going to become even clearer in verse 17 when we get there and I explain the Greek word that's behind in the ESV where it says it does not endure long. And and it literally, um, one of the issues with the superficial heart is it's it's all focused on the here and now. It's focused on the present. It's mm-hmm. focused on the temporal realities of life. That's why in the rocky soil it abandons faith because of temporal suffering. It can't take it because instead of looking beyond the suffering to mm-hmm. the glory that's coming, right. it's so overwhelmed at the temporal. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the superficial heart is all consumed with the temporal, this life, rather than the eternal. And uh, a prime example of that is Judas. Mm-hmm. Judas in John twelve six, right? He wants his, instead of, uh, he, you know, he he puts on airs like he really cared about the money that was uh, the, the ointment that was broken what is it? Mary breaks the ointment over Christ's uh, feet and head and preparing him for his burial. And it was an expensive ointment, expensive uh, uh, perfume. And uh, Judas is like, we could have sold this for, I forget how many a years. It was a year's worth of wages. I think 300 denarii or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the text says in John 12, like, yeah, he didn't really care about, you know, giving money to the poor. Right. He wanted he wanted his cut. Right, right. And Judas is clearly superficial. He proves to be a false, a false uh, follower, uh, a son of perdition, son of the devil. And ultimately, why? He cared only about the temporal. He only cared about this life. He wasn't looking ahead. And that was that was his issue. And that's that's a mark of a superficial heart. When you start getting consumed with the temporal life rather than the eternal, you're starting to slide into into superficial superficiality and Mm -hmm. you have to guard against that number three yeah number three spiritually driven by external facts and not internal so that would be external acts so uh okay yeah so the superficial heart is spiritually driven by not only the temporal life setting versus the eternal but it's also driven by the external acts of faith right where it's all driven by works Mm -hmm. that are outward and rather than works that are inward so instead of uh, focusing on external acts of faith, we should be focusing more on heart attitudes. Internal heart attitudes is what, again, what God cares most about is the heart. He doesn't. It's not that he doesn't care about what we do. He does. But he cares by why are we doing it. Why are we doing it then determines whether what we do is acceptable or not. So the motive, right? basically. The, the motive, the heart, the heart mm-hmm. attitude, right? And uh, so it's not that what we do isn't important. It is. And God has given us many things that we should do. But we can do those if the heart attitude isn't right. They're still worthless. Yeah. Right? You can do exactly what God said. But if your heart is, is still prideful, selfish, and sinful, it's worthless. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so clearly the superficial heart is that which is just focused on on doing the rituals. And of course, the greatest example of this is the Pharisees. Matthew 23, your whitewashed tombs, you focus only on the outside of the cup, not the inside. That's what they did. And uh, that is, again, uh, an issue we struggle with, if we're honest, 
because we have the propensity of legalism and and pharisaical uh, ideology in all of our DNA, and we have to guard against that. And the superficial heart is one that is just consumed with the legalistic, ritualistic fulfilling of the list rather than the confrontation of the heart, hmm. which is which is really what matters most. And again, not to beat a dead horse, but back to First Samuel fifteen twenty two. That's what God man looks on the outside. God looks on the inside. Mm-hmm. That's what matters most. All right. Number four, controlled by the fear of man and not the fear of God. Oh, this is huge. Um, I think we should skip that one. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we don't have time to go into yeah. the fear of man. Yeah, well, we don't have time to go into the fear of God. Yes, I will. Because that's what the, the most important thing is there. Because uh, uh, he's actually doing a series now in our uh, Sunday school talking about the uh, fear of the Lord. And, uh, it's been completely impactful and uh, and and convicting uh, to to say the least. Uh, but can you can you give like thirty seconds on that? On um, number four number or four, on four? Th- number four. Yeah, just thirty seconds. Yeah. So challenge. Uh, yep. Controlled controlled by the fear of man, not the fear of God. Uh, this is a mark of the superficial heart. The fear of man. Proverbs twenty nine says lays a snare but the fear of the Lord brings a refuge, mm-hmm. right? And so the superficial heart cares more about what people think about the individual rather than what God does. Mm-hmm. And the perfect example of this, to keep it within 30 seconds, is John 12, where literally the text says in John 12 that the authorities that would be many within the leadership of Israel believed in Jesus. That's a false belief. Mm-hmm. But it says because of fear of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, right? Those around them, fear of being kicked out of the synagogue, fear of losing their positions of power. They did not confess Christ openly because they didn't. And it says in John 12, they didn't want to lose the glory that comes from man versus mm-hmm. the glory that comes from God. Mm-hmm. And again, why? They had a fear of man. And that's a superficial faith, a superficial heart. And how many times in our life are we driven really by what people think about us rather than what God says about us? Mm, that's good. Massive difference. Mm-hmm. All right. Number five. So number five, uh, pliable in beliefs uh, because of a lack of of biblical convictions. Yeah, so this is uh I will use pliable as a mm-hmm. as a ending illustration next Sunday for next Sunday's sermon since we didn't get to verse 17 because mm-hmm. he is a perfect example of the superficial heart especially in relationship to suffering. But um yeah, the superficial heart is marked by a pliable belief meaning you are you are Plato in the hands of whatever your circumstances are. You change you're like the chameleon. So whatever it is, if this is good, you're good. If that's bad, you're bad. Whatever, you're just changing because you have no root of con- biblical convictions. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, you can tell you have a superficial heart when you don't have an answer for those who ask of the hope you have in Christ, mm-hmm. where you won't stand up and defend the truth, right? Where everything is right. Mm-hmm. And this is the PC culture in the contemporary Christian church, right? Nobody wants to criticize somebody and say, well, that's wrong and this is right. Well, why? Because they all have pliable a belief system mm-hmm. that is totally flexible to whatever their circumstances are. Why? Because they have no biblical convictions. 
Biblical convictions are what the Bible says is true is true, and what the Bible says is wrong is wrong, and I don't care where we are, I don't care what land we're in, I don't care what year we're in, they never change. Mm -hmm. So we must stand up and defend those, declare those, and believe those, and declare it and help one another with grace and mercy to embrace those, but we can't be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. We can't shrink from that. But a superficial faith and a superficial heart is one that's willing to say, well, I don't know, let's talk about that. Like, yeah. Should women be pastors? The, the scripture is crystal clear. No, mm-hmm. no. And we must defend that with grace and mercy and compassion and tenderness and kindness and clarity. But we don't back down. We're not yeah. afraid of the Me Too movement or, mm-hmm. or our culture against that. And so a good example of that is the Corinthian church, pliable in beliefs. You got a guy who's sleeping with his, with his father-in-law's wife there in the church, and they won't put him out because they don't want to take a biblical stand. There it is right there, the superficial. You got the Galatian church who's, 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 who's uh, p- facing potential uh, suffering and persecution, and so they want to go back to Judaism because they want to protect that. Same thing with the church that the Hebrews were written to, and there's the example in Scripture right from this pliable in beliefs. Don't turn back to Judaism. Don't uh, don't embrace the sinful person. Cast him out. First Corinthians uh, six and seven. Cast that unbeliever out from your midst. One bad apple sours the whole bunch, right? But uh, so that's that superficial heart. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, six has complaining as default mode instead of praising God. Yeah, this is this is a big one, and this is one that probably resonates with all of us mm-hmm. at some level. When you see complaining, grumbling as your default mode, rest assured that the superficial heart, superficial perspective, superficial tendency is starting to take over. Instead of the default mode of grumbling and complaining, the the genuine heart should be one of praising God for everything. And by complaining and grumbling... Can you give me an example yeah. of that? Yeah, so, um, well, the example I gave in the biblical example, which is always my joy to give, mm-hmm. is, that I gave was 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, where it's referencing Israel, which they were the most complaining, grumbling people on the face of the planet until the modern church came along, and they're constantly complaining to God. So Israel's coming out of Egypt, and every every few days— they complain about, they complain because it's too hot. They complain because there's too much manna after God brings them manna. They complain because they don't like the food that he's given. They complain because of this, complain because of that. I mean, they just complain at everything. Mm-hmm. They complain at Moses. They don't like Moses. They want to be leaders. I mean, and uh, in Numbers 14, eventually God says, I'm done with these people. I'm, they have complained to me these 10 times since I've freed them from Egypt. They just won't stop grumbling. Right. Well, again, that was a mark that their belief was superficial. Right. Because, again, superficial on the surface because it was all about them. So complaining is a is complaining is a clear indication that your life is really about you, Hmm. not about God. Mm -hmm. You praise God even amidst your frustrations and your disappointments only when you realize it's not about you. God is sovereign. So if this, if I've lost my job of no fault of my own, I can complain about it. I can grumble about it. I'm clearly not happy about it. That's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But what's going to be my default? Trust the Lord. Praise him that I had the job for as long as I had it. Praise him that I know he's going to provide for me in another job, wherever that is. Right, right. Or am I going to superficially just run in and start questioning God? How dare you? What are you doing? Why? I don't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yep. That's good. So uh, number seven, highly critical of others instead of praying for others. Yeah, this is this comes up again in our culture and in our in our 
in our life, not critical of others who aren't following truth, but critical of those who are following truth, right? And mm-hmm. so where you have a critical spirit because others aren't like you and and you're not following truth and you don't like it that others are. And the prime example of this is the uh, super apostles in Second Corinthians that Paul, the Judaizers that Paul had to deal with all the time, and especially the ones who were coming in behind him claiming to be super apostles and saying Paul was not an apostle. He talks about this in Second Corinthians 11 and uh, the false teachers that he had to deal with incessantly, mm-hmm. as, as did Christ with the Pharisees and as we even still do today in the, in the church. And so um, they, that is a mark of a superficial heart when there is a criticism of others. Not, I'm, and, I'm, and I want to be clear here. Uh, that we are biblically uh, uh, commanded to defend the faith. Mm-hmm. We are biblically commanded to criticize one another, judge one another, this whole idea of, uh, you're not supposed to judge is unbiblical. We are supposed to judge. We're supposed to do it, though, from a loving, compassionate heart, mm-hmm. one that, again, is driven by truth, not by uh, personal accolades. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that's why we remove the beam of pride from our own eyes. Then we can look at our brother and judge one another. Mm-hmm. But this isn't that. We're talking about I am I am, I am, am living in, in a, a sinful life, and I just don't like it that so-and-so is 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 living the godly life and i'm going to criticize them because they're not like me and they're doing this and their life convicts me instead of praying for them instead of thanking god for them i'm going to criticize them and listen let me tell you this comes up all the time in churches Mm -hmm. and and uh as a pastor here trust me i wasn't always a pastor Mm -hmm. i've had many lunches where guess what was served roast the pastor <laughs> i know what goes on mm-hmm. i know what goes on and i'm not speaking of our people particularly our people love me and so i don't feel that here though i've experienced it here mm-hmm. and uh and have interesting stories to tell but every pastor has but it could be anybody right children do that with their parents mm-hmm. um and all kinds of people and so this comes up more than we realize yeah. where, where we're just critiquing and cutting people apart and that's why there's so many scriptures that command against that to not cut one another down, but to pray for one another, encourage one another, stand with one another. Well, when you're doing that, you're you're showing you you got superficial issues. Yeah, that's good. Uh, can you read number eight? I didn't yeah. write the other part. No, this is this is this is this one's a big one. Number eight, uh, superficial heart is that which has a preoccupation with self pity instead of the pursuit of Christ like self sacrifice. Self pity is a is a vile sin that plagues all of us to a certain degree and and uh, this is an issue of the superficial heart again kind of it's akin to the complaining but this worse than the complaining right where it's the woe is me and this is huge and i and i hate this because the church is so superficial today that the culture is driving the church's agenda, mm-hmm. right? That's why we have so many discussions on social justice and Me Too women agenda and nonsense when we should be talking about Christ and his glory and mm-hmm. the gospel. We're talking about all these distractions. Why? Because the culture is setting the agenda, Yeah. right? Well, in, the, in that reality, the church has embraced this victimized mindset, right? All that is is a preoccupation with self-pity, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm the victim and it's just, it's just, it's superficial, Right? It's like, no. Matt, you don't sound woke. Yeah. Well, I'm not. (laughs) I'm reborn. That's a lot better than being woke. A lot better. I'm I'm regenerated, man. I don't want to be woke. I don't need to be woke. Mm -hmm. uh, That's nonsense. Yeah. And so so this is a really good example of this, right? 
and this is, I remember preaching through this, uh, it, scary, Jonah. Mm-hmm. Man, he was consumed with self-pity, eating him alive, missing out on all those people dying in front of him. And uh, Jonah chapter 4, the gourd, you know, the Lord sends the gourd mm-hmm. to give him shade. The Lord sends the worm to eat it up. And he's like, kill me now, Lord. Kill. It's all about him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, 250,000 people plus are about ready to to uh, reap the firing wrath of God that he's waiting for. And it's like he's worried about himself because he's got to sit out in the scorching heat. And they're going to have eternal heat. And it's mm-hmm. like, what's your problem, man? Yeah. He had preoccupied with himself versus actually praying for that the Lord would be gracious, which he was, mm-hmm. to those Ninevites. Sorry. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Number nine, confession of faith with no real change of life. This is huge. This is really, I think, the core of a superficial heart, at least the characteristic that identifies it. And uh, that's when you have a confession that says, I believe, but you have a life that contradicts it, mm-hmm. where you have a life of no change. Mm-hmm. Listen, the Bible's clear. Uh, we're never perfect until we get to heaven. We're always going to battle sin. First John says, he that says he has no sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. So mm-hmm. it's never about perfection. It's always about direction. Am I moving towards Christ? Am I getting more like Christ? Am I becoming um, um, uh, more holy? Am I sinning less, not sin less? And so that's that's biblical. But this reality that I can trust Christ and have salvation, and I'm putting that in air quotes, and yet my life never change is an utter contradiction to what the Bible teaches. Second Corinthians 5 says you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Mm-hmm. The new has come. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're, if you're claiming to be a believer and the new hasn't come, guess what? You're not a believer, mm. right? And uh, again, First John is so helpful. It gives us all the different marks of the new believer. And it literally is, this is the one who has been born of God. Mm-hmm. Back to that regeneration we talked about earlier. Back to that sovereign grace. Well, what are those marks? They're fruits. What they do, what they say, what they don't do, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Pharaoh is a really good example of this. He repented. He cried crocodile tears, Exodus 9, uh, 27 and onward. And there we see he had a confession, but his life never changed Mm. because it was all superficial. Mm -hmm. All right. Lastly, number 10, has belief in Christ driven by signs and not the scriptures. Uh, This is huge. This again, this is one of the biggest ones in scripture where uh, you see this in my Bible multiple times, especially in the Gospel of John, but even in Mark and Matthew it comes up where you'll see in the crowd where it says, and they believed, and so many people think that's like genuine belief, but then you'll see like in John 8, for instance, the ones who believed at the beginning of the passage by the end literally pick up stones to kill Christ. Hmm. And, And all of that is showing is false belief, right? Initial belief, like we're learning in the rocky soil where they just, they heard what that, and it's like, yeah, that's me, sign me up, I'm in, right? I believe. And then Christ keeps teaching, and they're like, no, no, I don't believe that, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, so I I believe when I see these signs, and like, yeah, I'll take that. That's my king. He can do this. He can do this. And then as soon as he tells them what they have to do Mm -hmm. by way of the demand, you have to take up your cross, deny yourself, die to yourself, and follow me. No, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer a believer. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, in John chapter 2, you see the crowds following him, and it literally says that they were believing him because of the signs that he did. It was it was just in the signs, mm-hmm. and but God, but Jesus did not give himself to them because he knew what was in man, what mm-hmm. was genuine, and what wasn't. So, yeah. So it's a it's a it's a scary reality of the superficial heart that permeates the the uh, contemporary Christian church, 
and uh, on both sides, on every side. But sadly, especially the uh, emotionally driven, charismatic wing, the prosperity gospel, that's all about that. Mm -hmm. It's their whole system, especially in the prosperity side, which is all false, utterly false, not even not even Christian. You can have some guys in the charismatic uh, wing that would be Christian, but prosperity, not at all. And that whole thing is driven by signs, not the scripture. Mm. That's all that is. That's nothing but pure emotionalism. No, no biblical doctrine at all. Scary. Yeah, I was uh, listening. Uh, I heard something, and I, I was just reminded of all the the music that they have. I mean, yeah, the you know they have like the 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 chords underneath the while yeah. people are talking just to yep. get you emotionally stirred. But even in the church that I used to go to. Back in the day, uh, I remember my my then pastor uh, when he when it came down to they would always do an altar call. Yep. And uh, this altar call, he had a, a, a lapel mic. And during the altar call, he would take the lapel mic off of his, you know, off of his shirt and he would hold it very close to his mouth. So he'd be talking all like this and very, you know, very, you know, very loud. And, and, and it's like and then, you know, you always had someone playing a song yeah. uh there's one church they actually i don't know if they wrote the song but they would always sing this song we offer christ to you oh my brother we yeah. offer christ to you oh my sister he will give you brand new life life abundantly come home yeah. come home to christ those are the yeah. words yeah so that was what was playing and uh, i remember us joking about this as kids you would literally be standing there maybe it was a friend that you bought maybe to youth group they were yep. doing the altar call yep. and you would be rubbing their back That's and kind of pushing them yeah. to go towards the front like that Come on, man that was, want, i'll go with you yeah i'll go with you I'll you know you. Yeah, and i was raised in that too and, and then some churches would have Sad. plants you know yep. the, the plants that would walk up oh, yeah. and everything like totally, that totally. yeah so it's it was all an emotional thing and uh, as as you were talking about that. Thank you, uh, Charles Finney. He was the one who started all Oh, really? Yeah, church history is so sad. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep, yeah, yep. the altar call and the, and the kneeling bench and the anxious bench and the long drawn out music that was all part of the of the uh, start of the charismatic movement in America. Wait, was Charles Finney? Did he preach with Billy Graham? No, no, no. Charles Finney's eighteen hundreds. Um, oh, okay. So this is. This is really the seedbed for the charismatic movement, and uh, um, unbelievable. This it was he was part of the Second Great Awakening. Oh you know? yeah, 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 okay, Charles. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, I'm thinking of. I knew that. I know that there was one guy that uh, was with uh, Billy Graham, and then he actually left uh, the the faith, yeah. everything altogether. Yeah, yeah there's uh, there was a couple of those guys actually. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, no, it's it's sad. Uh, it's all manipulation. All driven by That's emotions and signs instead of scripture, and yeah, Jesus never did that. He never, he never played twelve verses of "Just as I am," <laughs> and never uh, he he actually made it harder for people to believe. Yeah, not easier. And uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of scary when you read scripture and and see uh, Jesus, and then look at our contemporary church. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. It saddens me. I mean, I, I, I have great hope and, and, and I honestly think there, the Lord is doing a, you know, I don't know if I want to call it a revival, but he's doing a work now that is clearly sovereign and his work. And I see it on multiple levels and what he's doing in, in bringing sound doctrine back and the preaching of the word. And that's exciting, but we have fallen so far Mm -hmm. in the American church that it's really, 
it's a blight upon the world. Would you, I mean, maybe it's called the purge. <laughs> that might be what it's being called because yeah. um, what I've seen is, you know, uh, not even looking at the the world, just looking at how the church is. I mean, the church has, there's so many things that it's like, did you really say that? Did you really preach that? Did, was, was that really what the thing that, that, that you believe? Do you really believe that? And uh, what I think is happening is those type of preachers are, you're finding them uh, in all types of trouble. Yeah. Um, they're going through some type of issue and people are, you know, kind of seeing the truth about who they really are. Now, the the weird thing about it is they're seeing the truth, but they're still following them. Yeah. They're still following and, that leader. And, and uh, I mean, again, sadly, and I know I'm, I'm often misjudged because people, I say things and take it out of context, but I think this is huge. And I, and I know this to be true and I've seen it. Most people have never been in a biblical church. That's a big statement. And I know that. And I say it with great trepidation, but I know it to be true that most people, most people have never, ever, ever been in a biblical church. Therefore, I say that in their defense, they don't even know what to look for. Mm-hmm. They don't know that they're not in an unbiblical church. But here's why I know that. And I've seen this from the West Coast to the East Coast. When people come, when God's people, right, his sheep, when they come to a biblical church, it never fails. This is what I've been waiting for, and I didn't know it. I have heard that so many times because they realize, oh, my word, this is it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but the sad reality is we have labored so long in this seeker sensitive nonsense of contemporary Christianity that we are reaping the negative consequences. And we've got generations that have labored in unbiblical churches. That's the, that's, it's, it's awful. But those of us who are seeking to be biblical, even imperfectly, right? We're, we're not the savior of the world. I'm not, nor are any any of the guys that I run with, but we are seeking to be humble, broken pastors, shepherds, where the word is central and sufficient, and we're exalting Christ, and we're preaching it with no strings attached, just all about him, and we're watching the Lord work in ways that is amazing, and it's exciting, mm-hmm. but it's so countercultural. And I say countercultural, not the world. It's not about the world. I'm talking about cultural Christianity. I mean, what yep. we're doing here, we are breaking every single church model. We should not, like, we're just not following what mm-hmm. the contemporary says, do this, do this, do this, not yeah, at all. Because we definitely should have uh, different worship music. Well, we we should. should definitely have a, like, a huge youth group of that, course. That's, that's involved. We should, yeah. we should have donuts, yep. uh, and we should have men's prayer breakfasts. And, and we should have a lot shorter service. A lot shorter <laughs> services, a lot shorter <laughs> preaching. I mean, you preach double the time that the, a preacher should preach. Yeah. Uh, I could go on and on about the things All that— All the things that we do wrong. That we do wrong, yep. a- according to the standard of the contemporary church. Um, but biblically, I mean, you know, like I said— this is a, a, a T-bone and taters church. Yeah, and, and we're not doing that, nor are any of the other guys I know that are doing many of the same things in different ways according to their church and their desires. But we're, we're not doing those things to be different, mm-hmm. to be eccentric, to try to draw attention. Lord knows that. 
we're literally doing what we do because it's biblical. Yeah. Like that's what we're doing. We're mm-hmm. seeking to be faithful to the word and nothing more. Yeah. Because it's all about God. And whether our, the church grows numerically or not, it doesn't matter. Because mm-hmm. at the end, it's only going to be judged in this. Were you faithful? Yep. Uh, the size of our membership role, God will never hold that to my account because mm-hmm. that's not my job. That's mm-hmm. Christ, his church. He, he, I, that question won't even come up. Mm-hmm. But what will come up is, did I handle the word? Did I shepherd the people? Did I do what God has called me to do? And so it is uh, with every member of this church, and so it is with all of us. So, uh, yeah, we just need to be faithful to the Lord and trust the Lord and grow in humility and and, uh, in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. So our clock actually stopped, uh, (laughs) I don't know how long ago. We've just been sitting here talking. I think, oh, it was because we were on number nine and we hadn't finished number 10. So, But we got it. Yeah, we have a little clock set up and it ran to zero. I've actually closed the iPad completely. But we, we definitely went through everything. But we are, are, are going to end here and uh, we're going to come back next time for that, uh, before the very ending. Here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as far as a culture mm-hmm. in Iran, uh is there any type of any type of Christ-like culture in Iran? Like in China, there's like the underground church. Oh, absolutely. There's the above ground church yeah. that is being controlled by China. Yeah. And then there's the underground church. Yeah, there's no above ground church, but there's definitely a strong growing underground church for sure. In Iran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. Percentage wise, like what do you think believers would be like true believers? I wouldn't even I could I wouldn't even act like I would know a number. Mm -hmm. I just get uh, a lot of publications um, about praying for countries where uh, Christians get um, murdered or to pray for for those type of countries and things. And um, definitely Iran is I see articles about it's like a wave, um, maybe not within the last year, but. There is definitely a, 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 a large underground church out there. And um, just on the, the, that subject, um, Iran uh, as a culture, the Iranian culture is, uh, if you speak to the most Iranians, it's, it's a, they're Iranian first and, and then Muslim, um, which I think this is why um, the underground church is growing so, so much there. Because um, that they're not, the rest of uh the Middle East is their identity is in their Muslim belief where Iran is not like that. The people of Iran is not like that. Um, The government is though. This would be extremely important because of the fact that we're very limited in what we can see. That's the truth. I mean, we, you know, we live in America, but we we're fed information. You know, we're not there firsthand. So, um, it was really important for me to get you in here to do the gospel in the language of Iran. That's why I really felt like it was important to, to get that in there. So a lot of you all don't know the person that's on the other side of the mic. His name is Mazdak Merrick. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, he's actually uh, Persian, which is Iran used to be Persia. But uh, I actually invited him in because he's going to do uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ for us in the language of Farsi, which is uh, the language of Iran. So this is the gospel of Jesus Christ in Farsi, which is the native uh, Iranian slash Persian language. Khoda hamichi duroskat as khak adam duroskat asmun duroskat 
همه حیوانات درست کردی عالی هست خدا یعنی این قانونم داره که انجیل و آدم و همه چی دورورش باید صد درصد گوش بکنن به این قانونا هیچ قانونا نمیتونن داشته باشن ولی آدم اولین آدم که خدا درست کرد قانون رو شیکوند با همه آدم ها دیگه هم قانون شیکوندن من تو خدا میگه دروغ نگو ما که دروغ گفتیم خدا گفت ندوزیم دوزدیم نمیتونیم اون کارا که کردیم و در خودم درست بکنیم زندگی رو نمیتونه آدم خودش رو درست کنه به, به پاکی خدا که احتیاج داره ولی ایسا مسیح جیزوس کرایست خدا هست صد درصد هم صد درصد آدم است. زندگی پاک زندگی کرد اون جریمه گناه ما روی صلیب داد زندگیشو مرد با از مردگی و برگشت به زندگی که اون گناهی که ما کردیم جریمهشو داده باش خدا میگه که از اون گناه که من گفتم نکنی کردین به چرخونید بدنتو اون طرف یعنی پشتتو بکن بهش بیاد به عیسی مسیح خدا سیویور و مال شما باشه بدون که اون گناهی که کردی پاک شدی ازش به خاطر عیسی مسیح چی کار کرده روی صلیب پنالتی دو داده قناتو جریمتو داده The biblical gospel starts with God Out of nothing God made everything including you and me to bring himself much pleasure His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey and enjoy him perfectly Instead of this man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath and hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own Son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal Son of God, to take on human flesh fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross as he satisfied the eternal anger of God standing in the place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now, Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sins, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted sons and daughters, covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person, in every culture, in every place, in every language, through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and this day be reconciled to God. Delighting in the Word 
that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.